This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 420. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by Brian McLaughlin, who is our director of medical training. Heads, he's, he heads the MountainManMedical.com team, a team of one. Unless you count the guys in the warehouse that put everything together and ship it out. I absolutely do. They keep me from having to do it, which I appreciate. <laughs> absolutely. And so, so excited to have Brian back on the podcast. He's been on a couple times in the past. Uh, a couple months ago, we, we had you on as, we, as, as actually the Mountain Man Medical line was launched. And uh, yeah, today we're going to talk about keeping your cool during stressful trauma situations. And really, I think there'll be a lot here that anybody can take away from uh, about just stressful situations in general. Uh, but uh, it's really all about keeping your cool. Uh, I think on both sides, frankly. I mean, it, you as the assuming you're the one that has to provide some care, uh, you got to keep your cool, and it's it's really helpful too. And patients keep their cool too. And I I think that's an interesting angle to explore. And Brian, you've got some experience in this, so uh, we'll 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 look forward to getting into it with you. Today's episode is brought to you and sponsored by MountainManMedical.com. Uh, head on over there for your medical and trauma kit needs. In fact, uh, the line is constantly expanding over there. I could tell you, I'll tease a little bit that in you know in the relatively near future, I, I can't give you an exact time frame, there will be some additional options as far as trauma kit pouches. Uh, those will be coming here eventually. Uh, but we're always adding more uh, more products just in terms of like lately we just added a bunch of different options for gauze and a lot of it compressed gauze i got compressed crinkle gauze and and i think from a couple of different suppliers from north american rescue from dynarex and from uh oh i forgot the third one uh yeah that's going to be uh h&h uh, medical yeah yeah H &H. Yep, the tech gauze so those are three new products added to the store uh, guys, head on over to mountainmanmedical.com and uh, pick yourself up a kit. All right. We got the, the Sweetwater kit. It's kind of the entry level kit. Has just enough to get you going and to make sure you're not totally unprepared. The Yellowstone is the one I'd really recommend. And of course, we always recommend, and Brian's big on this, uh, adding a genuine North American Rescue Cat 7 tourniquet. So. And I'm also pleased to announce, too, that we should soon have in the store products from TacMed Solutions, including the Soft T Wide. And that's been in the works for some time, and we're excited that it's finally going finally gonna, to uh, you know, happen. So Brian also has some exciting news. He wants to talk about a new channel on YouTube. Brian, tell us uh, what you got. Yeah, I already dropped it in a little bit there, but we got uh, the Mountain Man Medical YouTube channel coming up. Uh, we've already got some videos up there. Uh, we just launched the channel this last week, and already we're up to almost 700 subscribers. So that's that's pretty great. I'm uh, I'm excited about that. I'm trying to get out some of this good information. So um, if anybody's interested, go check it out. Leave a comment, subscribe, and uh, if there's anything that you guys like to uh, get uh, see a video on, please drop it into the chat here, and I'll uh, I'll look at it, and hopefully I can get to some of those uh, with the upcoming videos. 
That's awesome, man. Dude, you've been uh, putting out some great content, and of course, you've been putting out some great editorial content as well on the mountainmanmedical.com site. You, you guys can click on the blog uh, there on the site and uh, read some some really great uh, articles from Brian. So speaking of Brian, um, you know, some most of our listeners have probably seen or heard you at some point, but just to refresh their, their memory, uh, you are a former Navy corpsman, uh, which is like an army medic, but according to you better definitely better <laughs> of course and uh you were you know you, you deployed to to the middle east uh as, you know as part of a, a marine corps unit uh on the ground uh seeing some action there and uh you know being the guy that that the marines look to 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 patch them up and keep them healthy absolutely yeah so so you know, and we're we're proud to have you uh, on our team, and uh, of course, you've worked for uh, for the company here for a couple of years now, and and have done some great things for us. And we're just excited to have this whole Mountain Man Medical uh, uh, product line and this project going. Um, today's topic, Brian, keeping your cool during a stressful situation, particularly which you know trauma situations are are almost always stressful. Uh, you know, and and, and uh, I'll tell you, I have got some experience experience in this on the receiving end, <laughs> uh, as well as being on, on the care provider uh, side as well, a little bit, but nothing like what you've done. So what, what, I, what I'd like to start off with and hear from you is, you know, Brian, can you maybe just, just tell us about, you don't have to go into a lot of detail, but tell us maybe about one stressful situation that, uh, that really stands out in your mind. Okay. Um, yeah, so um, I've I've had a decent amount of experience. Uh, I've worked in the ER for quite a while, and uh, so I, I got to cut my teeth on trauma medicine there before I actually got deployed to Afghanistan. So that that helped me out quite a bit. Um, when you when you get a chance to see professionals work in the environment that you're in, it helps quite a bit to um, to kind of get a feel for the energy. And everything is busy, of course, but very intentional. Um, when you see these professionals that have done this stuff for, you know, so many times, you see how they handle it. Um, and that really helped me to kind of um, wrap my brain around what it is that I'm doing and and how to maintain my cool. Uh, I, the, the instance that sticks out most in my mind is um, I, I went on a, uh, an R&R trip when I was in Afghanistan um, to uh, Lashkagar which is a little outpost uh, in Afghanistan. And uh, the operations that we were running over there were pretty rough. You know, we were, we were pushing a contact every couple of days, if not every day, um, you know, getting in firefights and that kind of stuff. So as a little bit of a reprieve, uh, my command let us, uh, one or two of us go uh, on a little trip to a, a local air base where we got to hang out for a couple of days and eat hot chow and take a shower. And it was, it was nice. Uh, but while I was there, um, I got plugged in with, um, HM1 Hall. He was a salty, crusty dude. He was just one of the coolest guys I've ever met. And, um, and one of the things that's always on my mind is being able to handle the situation calmly and competently. And, uh, until that point I was, I, I hadn't been doing as good of a job as I, as I could have. And, um, so one of the things that I, I did is once I was there, I got plugged in with him and he was one of the corpsmen that was in charge there. 
and I got to go hang out with him. My gunny said, Hey, why don't you go, why don't you go link up with HM1 and, um, and uh, see if you can help out any. So I got there and right about the same time that I got there, I got the introductions all around and HM1 Hall says, Hey, uh, you, you down to help us out? We've got, uh, we've got some, uh, people coming in we need to work on. And I, of course I was absolutely. So, um, I stood by gloved up and, uh, they brought in, uh, a kid that had gotten hit. He had stepped on an IED and it was pretty rough. And, um, when you, when you brought him in, you can tell right away that there, you know, something's, something's not right. And you could tell that he had lost a decent amount of blood. He was very pale, wasn't moving, um, you know, didn't respond to any kind of stimulus and, um, they started working on him and, you know, I trying to help and do what I could packing wounds and all that kind of stuff. And, um, they started giving him blood products and you could see the color on his face just come back within maybe 10 minutes. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing to see. And, um, he woke up and started trying to get up off the gurney and all this other stuff. We had to kind of hold him down cause he didn't know where he was at. Um, but seeing HM1 Hall handle the situation so like it was an everyday thing that, you know, this is not that big of a deal. And he looked at me and he said, Hey doc, you got this. And, uh, I said, yeah, I do got this, you know, and, uh, seeing him operate with such calmness, uh, really helped me throughout the rest of my deployment to handle it in the same way that I saw HM1 Hall handle it. And I, throughout the rest of the de- deployment, I kept thinking about how, how calmly and competently he handled that situation. And I really wanted to do the same. So that helped me out quite a bit. That's awesome. So actually seeing someone else operate calmly in a stressful situation sort of helped you to do the same. Absolutely. Mm. And I think, you know, if anybody is out there who's second guessing themselves thinking there's no way I could do that, I could never handle that kind of blood. You can, uh, one, you can, because you have to, it's important that you do it, but also because you can be whoever you want to be. You want to be someone who can handle that kind of situation. See yourself handling it well, and you will. Yep. Yep. Uh, that, that's really good advice. And, and you shared similar advice in the uh, filming we did for the, the training videos as part of the launch of the Mount Man Medical uh, line. Uh, and uh, I think there's a lot of truth there. You know, like, I'll tell you for me, I mean, I, okay, so I've responded to a couple of pretty bad uh, vehicle accidents uh, in my lifetime. And uh, one of them was, you know, right there, like really helping uh, with the victims of that. And, uh, you know, it was pretty intense and, but just recognizing like, you know, just being totally objective focused, like there's a job that has to be done. Yeah. Stuff's broken. Bones are sticking out. Blood is, you know, everywhere, whatever, but like, can't focus on that other than we've got to take care of this person, right. Uh, help them, uh, uh, you know, and by the way, the, the one accident I'm particularly thinking of was uh, just a few years ago in, in Utah on a very lonely, desolate highway uh, between Price, Utah and uh, Green River, Utah. So on my way back from from uh, a work trip there, actually, but I had my family in tow. We were all yeah. we decided to take a little trip over there. And it was pretty intense, man. But 
that that would be just kind of like when I listen to you now. Now there are others there too helping. In fact, the one gentleman that ran up uh, was a doctor. I don't think he was in a necessarily an ER doc or anything like that. I don't remember what kind of doctor he was, but he's a doctor, you know, and he he knew a thing or two, obviously. So so he jumped in and was very professional and to the point and and focused on uh, providing the care that was needed. And and uh, once he showed up, you know, I kind of was like, hey, okay, you, doc, you're in charge, right? And uh, just tell me what, what we got to do. And so um, part of it, I will say, uh, once we got, so one of the individuals, it was actually a mother and her daughter that was involved in this. It was a head-on collision on this highway. Uh, and the other ve- vehicle occupants, they were totally fine, which was bizarre because they were in a, what I would consider, it was an older, probably less safety rated vehicle. Uh, and they, and they were actually the ones at fault. They crossed the line cause they got distracted driving and slammed into the Subaru. Well, Subarus are supposed to be, you know, kind of, kind of safe, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, the, this woman and her daughter and the Subaru were, were pretty banged up, uh, yeah. adult daughter. Um, and the daughter was actually driving and she was the one that was hurt the worst and we couldn't actually extricate her f- safely from the vehicle. Uh, she later passed away, unfortunately. And, uh, but the mother just had a broken leg and an arm. I think it was broken. If I remember correctly, you know, it was pretty, pretty bad compound fracture in the leg. But a lot of the situation was just trying to keep mama calm, you know, cause I mean, she was hurt. She's hurting, but she was mostly concerned about her daughter. She was really freaked out about her daughter. And I remember just kneeling down there and just talking to her. And like the thing that seemed to help her was kind of like what helped me. And that was keeping her focused on, look, we're doing what we can, staying objective focused, right? We have a mission here. We had to take care of, and we are taking care of your daughter. We're doing everything we can. Okay. And it was, I'll tell you though, it was, it was, it was challenging, uh, keeping her calm and keeping her, cause you know, keeping her calm helps her. Right. And, uh, uh, so yeah, it was a while. It was a good 30 minutes before, uh, cause we were out literally exactly halfway between these two towns. So it was a long response time. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of, you know, one of my experiences and, and, and so kind of to your, to your point, uh, that's what I wanted to throw out there about staying, you know, really focused on the task at hand. Uh, don't get grossed out by blood. You know what? Uh, some people do, and some people claim they can't help it. That may be, I don't know, but I think if you just really try to put that out of your mind and just stay focused on the task, I I think helps. I don't necessarily like blood either. It doesn't bother me, but it's, you know, like nobody likes seeing blood. Nobody likes seeing bone sticking out, right? It, it's it's jarring to your system. You're like, oh, I know, geez. I don't like it. Yeah. So, um, cool. I appreciate you sharing that story with us uh, uh, from your experience. Um, Brian, uh, I mean, what would you say to as far as having helping the, the patient, you know, remain calm or even being on the patient side? I mean, have you ever had a serious injury yourself? Um, no, I've been pretty fortunate. Um, I've had a few like uh, knee injuries and things when I was in high school. You know, I had to have surgery for that and that kind of stuff. But I have worked on a lot of people. And I've worked on every kind of patient I think I, I can imagine. Um, something that kind of sticks out into my mind is like early on in my in my Corman career, I was learning how to do IVs in the ER. And um, I uh, 
I was new. <laughs> so I'd <laughs> never done too many before. And so I'm going in, there's this uh, little old lady that I'm trying to get this IV stuck on. She must've been 80, 90 years old or something. And, and I'm going in and the needles just <laughs> shaking on the way down to her arm. <laughs> and she sees me and she says, you got this, honey. Don't worry about that. Oh, nice. And that, that just immediately my shakes just went and just, and it was, you know, it was, it made my life a lot easier, you know, to have her confidence and, and to say like, Hey, you know, it's okay if you screw up. I, you know, I, I still believe in you. Um, so, you know, if, when it comes down to something like that, I think, um, as the patient, it's a lot harder to remain calm, you know, and it's really going to come down to the individual person. Um, but I think a lot of this is, um, um, a lot of this is going to be the, um, can you tell the person that's working on you that you believe in them and that, that mm -hmm. and you trust them? I think that relieves a lot of the pressure that they have because, you know, if you're working on somebody, they're staring right at you. So, yeah. um, they're going to be watching you and the way that you interact with them and you say, Hey, I trust you. You got this. And if you remain calm yourself as the patient, then that's going to carry over to the person that's working on you. And if they're in a professional, that's probably not going to mean as much as it will to somebody who is just a first responder, who's never come up on something like this, but it's still going to mean something. Um, even to that, uh, that, that salty paramedic who's seen, you know, a hundred of calls. Yeah. So, you know, I've also unfortunately had the experience of being on the receiving end of care uh, in a you know trauma situation. Uh, and, and and to your point, like what you're just saying there, there's something that, that stuck out to, stood out to me, and that was that uh, when so I fell off a roof, uh, I was working construction, and and fell uh, a little more than two stories. Ooh. And landed on my side. Uh, I basically shot off the roof feet first and just kind of somehow maintains more or less. Like I do think my feet kind of hit the ground first, but I was at this angle and just kind of bam and slammed down on, on, on the side of my chest and broke a bunch of ribs, uh, punctured my lung and all this stuff. Right. Remarkably like that was, well, that and I'm, I had a concussion and broken lung or broken ribs and punctured lung. Uh, remarkable. That's like, that's all that happened. Uh, yeah. you know, and, uh, I was pretty messed up, you know, and I knew it too. And again, I think kind of keeping objective focus was, was, was helpful to me. Cause I do think I remained pretty calm. I know in the beginning, especially I did now at first, you know, you're like, I'm hurt, but I, I could still breathe. Okay. Um, so, so I wasn't really thinking so much about you know, my, my breathing or my heart or anything like that. Uh, I just knew I was hurt. And I remember the guy I was working with, he came, he came scrambling down the ladder and came around the side of the house and he's just like panicked. He's just like, he just didn't even know what to do. Like I, I looked, I kind of rolled a little bit and looked at him and, and he just, I could just see the shock in his face. Like he's shocked. I, I, I'm just like, dude, um, I just got knocked out. Uh, I remember that. Like, I remember like I just, it was black and then I just sort of like came to, right. And I uh, came to just as he was kind of coming around the side of the house and uh, you know, I'm looking at him and, and you know, he just, I could tell he didn't know what to do. And I, I grabbed the, I had a, this is in the old days of Nokia cell phones with the antenna you had to pull out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I, you know, this is like my first cell phone. I'd only had it for maybe a year or something. Mm -hmm. 
this brand, you know, brand new sort of thing for me. And I remember, oh, grab my phone. I grabbed it and I looked at it and it just smashed. And I'm like, oh shoot, you know, because I was gonna, I was gonna toss it at him, tell him to call nine one one. And I'm like, dude, call nine one one. And he's like, I don't have a phone. And I'm like, yeah, run to the house next door <laughs> and has to use their phone, you know, sort of thing. And uh, so that's, you know, I think that's that's the way it went down. Uh, uh, but, you know, just just having to be focused on, okay, there's a problem. we got to solve the problem, right? And that was like the first thing on my mind. I'm like, I knew I was hurt. Like, dude, you got to call 911, like now. And I'll tell you the time it took for that call to get placed and also the time for responders to show up felt like an eternity. And during that time, my lungs started to collapse. Breathing became very, very intensive, uh, labor intensive, very difficult, and mm. a, a lot of pressure in my chest. And that's when I started, I, I wouldn't say I got panicked, but I could kind of feel that welling up inside me a little bit. When first responders, when, when the EMS team finally showed up, they started working on me. I remember at one point, one of the pro- providers looking me straight on in my face, making eye contact and just saying, you got this you're good. We're going to take care of you. Like just something to that effect. And that, and that was all it took for me to, you know, just go, you're right. You know, we're good. Uh And you're taking care of me. Thank you. So like those, those little words of comfort. And I'll tell you what, again, I think more comforting to me than the actual words that was said was the fact they took the brief second to actually like get straight on with me, look me in my eye and just with absolute confidence, you're good. We got this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know uh, tone of voice is a big deal for both the, the the patient and the provider, because if you if you walk up and you, and you start screaming, hey, hey oh my god, that's gonna happen, you know, that's gonna freak your patient out. That's gonna freak you out. Um, and if you approach that that patient with a very calm demeanor, with a calm voice, not only will that help your patient out, but that'll help you out as well to kind of you know calm yourself down and remind yourself that. You know, this this is a tense situation, but it's not that difficult. Trauma medicine's not hard. That's why they let guys like me do it. Um, what's difficult about it is that there's blood everywhere. Someone could die, and that makes it hard to process mentally. But yeah. if you can get past that, it's it's not difficult to do. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, one thing that you talk about in some of the the training that you've put on that, you know, like the video that we did, I remember uh, very well you talking about situations where you're responding to a situation and you may not know what to do sometimes right away. And so that, that kind of like, I don't know what to do can be a bit of a, you know, can kind of freeze you up a little bit Mm -hmm. and, and no action is certainly not a solution. Right. So, so, so tell us about, you know, how you can kind of push through that kind of, uh, you know, like, oh, what do I do? Well, first off, I think uh, a lot of panic is generated by not knowing what to do. And we can remedy that with training, right? Um, you can know what to do. Like I said, trauma medicine is not hard. It's easy to learn. You just have to know some very key elements and you can do, you know, you do a lot of good for somebody. But um, I think one of the things that really helped me out a lot, especially when I was in Afghanistan, was uh, visualizing myself succeeding. And I would go through a lot of scenarios. And um, after I had that interaction with HM1 Hall, I began seeing myself 
reacting to a situation in a way that I imagined HM1 Hall would react to that situation. Um, in my mind, HM1 Hall was the end all be all of all combat medics. Like he could do no wrong, you know, and if I knew he was coming to work on me, I would be glad that he was the one that was there um, because of the level of competence that he displayed in his calm demeanor. So what I started imagining myself doing as I was a be out on patrol and um, occasionally I would, you know, keep, I, I like to keep my head up, make sure that I know what's going on around me. But I would also be thinking to myself, if we, if we took a casualty right here, how would I react to that? What is my plan of action? And I would start looking around me and start picking out places that I would drag the casualty, possible drop zones for the helicopter. Um, and I would also, and this is probably the most important part, I would also imagine myself handling it like the best combat medic that ever walked the face of the earth and approaching it with that level of confidence um, and visualizing myself succeeding, I think is essential. And when it came time, I was able to react quickly and competently and with zero hesitation and no panic whatsoever. It worked incredibly well for me. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. If you see yourself panicking, if you think to yourself, I can never handle that kind of blood and you see yourself just losing it, then you will lose it. And if you're the kind of person who's been seeing yourself handle a situation like that, you can stop. Um, you can stop visualizing yourself do that. If, visualize what HM1 Hall would do and do that. And I think that'll help a lot. Now, it's not going to get rid of all of it. Um, the only thing that gets rid of all of it or maybe even just some of it is experience. Um, the more experience you have, the easier that it gets. But um, I, I like to read a lot. And one of my favorite characters from history is um, Teddy Roosevelt. And he said in his autobiography that he wasn't always this strong, brave, robust character that he presented to the rest of the world. He said he wasn't always like that. So essentially what he said is that he faked it until it became a reality to him. And I had the benefit of reading that when I was young and I've, I've carried that through. And that's what helped me come up with, you know, my whole ideology about being a, um, uh, up and down with my whole ideology about how to handle the panic. And um, once I was able to kind of understand that you can fake it until you make it, until that becomes your reality, I think that's a, a fairly essential way to look at things. Yeah. You know, I appreciate you touching on uh, a lot of the mental aspect there and visualization as well. Uh, so, so lately I've actually been, you know, I, I like to read as well. And I recently I've been reading uh, and studying a little bit more from uh, two books. One is called With Winning in Mind by Lanny Basham. Uh, it's a older book, but uh, it's really based around uh, uh, Lanny ba Basham is a, is a Olympic gold medalist uh, in Olympic rifle shooting from uh, back in the 70s. Uh, one of the few we've actually had, I think, uh, successfully, you know, win a gold at the Olympics from, from the U.S., ironically enough. Uh, 
and uh, he he competed at a very high level for a number of years. And through that process, he learned a lot about the mental side of, you know, the mental aspect, mental strength, mental preparation. And a lot of that, you know, that, he, that is talked about is about how you see yourself, how you visualize, you know, yourself and your future and who you're becoming. And it's a really powerful thing. Like, like, you know, I think there was probably a time in my life where you, you hear something like that, just like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. But uh, as I'm continuing to try to advance myself as a shooter, I've been trying to apply a lot more of these these principles. Mm-hmm. And it's been making a difference uh, just in how I, how I prepare myself mentally, how I visualize myself, how I see myself, uh, and, and all that. So uh, it, it is... I think an absolutely important part, whether, whether we're talking about shooting, whether we're talking about medical uh, related stuff, whether we're talking about just life in general, to your point, I mean, you, you actually use the words visualize, like seeing myself succeed, seeing, you know, us get to the end of this, you know, successfully. I think that's actually a very powerful truth, you know, ment- mentally wise, right? Um, as a shooter, like, Okay, so the thing I've started to realize that I, I'm a pretty good shooter. I shoot pretty good, but I've started to realize that my the mental side of things is is kind of getting in my way, and so I'm trying to change that. And it's remarkable the the differences it's making. So, could you expand on that some more? Like, oh yeah, you say some other things you know that you've done or that you've experienced in your life that you think are directly applicable to further preparing oneself mentally. That, that's easy, I think, because I apply this particular method to all aspects of my life. Um, for example, um, I want to be a, a better husband and a better father. So I visualize what, in my mind, an amazing husband and father would do. And then I do that instead of all of the ridiculous nonsense that I'd rather be doing you know, um, being a terrible human being. And instead, you know, I, I try to visualize myself being a good husband and father, and I'm able to transfer that entire outlook into all aspects of my life. And, um, it's helped me out a lot in my personal growth, especially after the military and dealing with the PTSD, I was, I was starting to see a person come out that, that I didn't like. Um, and that no one else liked. <laughs> so, uh, um, that once I decided, I, I thought to myself, you know, why am I so angry all the time? Why am I so, I had this huge rage problem. I was looking to fight everybody that I could, and I just wasn't kind to anyone. And, um, after a while I got kind of tired of it. And I thought to myself, this is not the person that I want to be. Um, this is not the person I visualize myself being. And so I need to change that. And so I started applying that to all aspects of my life. And it wasn't an overnight change. You know, this is this has been, you know, years in the making. And every day I'm better than yesterday. But, you know, I've come a long way. And, um, and that's helped me out a lot. And I think uh, one of the main aspects of this is the scenario training. They used to call this 
kind of like fantasizing or daydreaming, you know, and you, you don't have anything to do. And um, you start thinking about how, if something happened right now, let's say my kid comes running in and says, my, uh, my boy's bleeding. How am I going to handle that? Am I going to panic and freak out and not know what to do? No, I'm going to visualize myself being a, a hero and a dad and a competent one. And I'm going to go handle that situation. Um, so I think a big part of that is running through scenarios in your own mind. Think about if something happened right now, what would I do? And that takes a lot of the planning out of the, out of, out of the situation. So if, a, if something does happen, you've already got a plan in place. But if nothing happens at that particular moment, maybe it'll happen a couple of days later or a couple of weeks later. And you've already thought along these same lines and you've already developed at least a, uh, a reasonable plan. It might not fit that exact situation, but it's, it might be close. And you've already gone through in your own mind, how can I change this? And this is not something that I've developed personally. This is not like my own um, authored philosophy. This is something that's been taught in um, sports for a long time. Mm -hmm. Whenever they talk about people like you were talking about um, that, the, the shooting expert, you know, mm -hmm. yes, absolutely. That's what they they're teaching a lot of these guys for recovery from injuries. They're saying that um, if a lot of these uh, athletes, they have one of these injuries where they're, they're not training for three, three months or more. If they are constantly visualizing their own plays, their own uh, scenarios and how they're going to react to it, their recovery time from when the injury occurs to when they're back and playing at their full capacity, is it's drastically reduced. So by visualizing these scenarios in your own mind, this is what's helping these professional athletes stay at the top of their game even if they're getting these, you know, these bad injuries and they're not able to train as much. Mm. So, I mean, this is not just applicable to combat or medicine. It's applicable to all areas of life. Visualize yourself handling it the way that you wish you could handle it. And you will. It's yeah. pretty easy. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. You know, the interesting thing is, is, uh, it kind of feels like the you know a, a, a little bit of a dichotomy you know of a situation a contradiction that we end up in because like the the thing is when you start like okay so for instance let me I'm going to use the shooting aspect but I think all this applies okay to to what we're talking about to the medical side of things as well but let's just say you know I'm working on becoming the best shooter in the world right well to get there to do that mentally I got to start thinking that I am the best shooter in the world the the danger is that you know, you can relatively easily become a bit, you know, conceited about that. Like, I, I have a theory on that. I'm the best, you know, in the world. I am going to dominate. Uh, and and that, that's helpful in, in you mentally becoming strong enough and visualizing, you know, that end goal where you're trying to get to. And that'll help you get there. But do you become a jerk along the way? Right. So that, that's the thing that kind of comes up, right? Um, do you see yourself as a champion or do you see yourself doing the things that a champion would do to become a champion? And so to become a champion, you train every day. You need to work to become a champion. Champions aren't just born. They're made. They're developed. They're trained and they're taught. Like, so 
the way that I see things is once I got out of the military, I had a, a huge identity crisis. Mm. I'm not doc anymore. That's all I know how to do. I was good at it. I was amazing at being a doc and now I'm not a doc. Who am I? And I struggled so hard with that after the military mm. and none of the jobs that I was doing, I could see a benefit in it. I went from being a key element to a dynamic team to nothing and not helping anyone. Mm -hmm. And I struggled with that for a good couple of years. And what I finally came to realize is that while I'm not a warrior by occupation, I'm still a warrior in my mind. And this is not what warriors do. Warriors don't give up. They don't stop. They constantly work to better themselves so that they can be better warriors. And once I realized that even though my occupation isn't war anymore, I can still treat my life as though I need to constantly improve and constantly get better. Now my life isn't on a line as much. So it's not quite as detrimental if I don't. Um, but it's, it's a huge improvement to my own mind because instead I'm treating every day the way that one of my heroes would treat it. Mm. What would HM1 Hall do? Would HM1 Hall would get his butt out of bed and go PT because that's what, that's what champions do. And, um, I think if you treat life that way, um, your identity doesn't matter and you can do anything. And you don't have to have your ego wrapped up in what it is that you're doing as a job, but how it, how are you, how are you getting better? Mm. I like that, you know, because it's totally, I think it's totally fine to think, you know, I, I, my goal is to become the best at this one thing in the world, but approaching it from like the angle that you suggested, I think would be helpful. I also think that we got to make, we got to break things up into smaller chunks and smaller goals too. Uh, one of the things that I'm really big about is just being a little bit better today than I was yesterday. Uh, and the thing is, we, we, we don't make a sudden change and improvement of anything in life in just one day. Right. And that, that can be sometimes challenging to, to, to track that improvement. Did I make improvement today? You know, as I'm looking, you know, tonight, as I'm, you know, getting ready for bed or whatever, and I'm looking back over the day, well, what, what did I do today that, made me somehow better than yesterday. And that can be challenging sometimes to, to figure out. And even that in a way can sort of sometimes almost even be a bit of a, a discouragement, you know, where you're like, well, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's, it's like right now I, I'm, I'm trying to get a little bit more physically fit. I'm trying to lose some pounds, um, but it doesn't come off fast <laughs> and, and you don't bulk up, you know, you know, <laughs> get this, awesome physique that you have envisioned in your mind uh, right. instantly. Right. So like staying really focused on, on that on a day to day to day to day basis. I think the, the key there is to set goals kind of like what you're talking about. Like where, how does a, how does a champion or a warrior in your case has a champion train? Well, they put in the time day in and day out relentlessly without fail, even on the days they don't want to. And I think that's actually the thing that probably separates true greatness from just good is that you do it, it, it has to do with integrity a little bit because you you do those things that are hard and that you don't necessarily want to do because you know you have to do them 
So you do you do the things you know you got to do even when you really don't want to do them. The yeah. thing, if you want to be a champion, you have to. You, yeah. you've, you've, if if that's what you want to do, if you and it doesn't even have to be a champion or a warrior. If you just want to succeed at life, you have to constantly be working to make yourself better. You know, no easy day. You're always better than yesterday, right? You should always be striving. And if and if at the end of the day you thought to yourself, I did nothing to improve myself. None of the things that I wish I wanted to change about myself are any closer to changing. Mm-hmm. Then you failed. And I've had days like that. I've had plenty of days where I have not progressed at all. Um, but the more I do it, the easier it gets for me to maintain that level of motivation because no one's going to do it for me. Great comments, by the way, from folks on Facebook here. You're like Casey here saying, don't rely on motivation, rely on discipline. I think that's really key. Kevin here says, also to accept ourselves and improve little by little. Uh, you know, and I, we do have a question that came in from Mark. I'm going to actually uh, have you address here in just a moment. But uh, before we move on from kind of this current uh, topic where we're at, talking about this idea of, of you know, visualizing oneself and, and your goals and setting goals and, and, and also achieving those things. You talked about how you, you got out of the Navy and, you know, came home too from, uh, from Afghanistan and you're just like, now what? Right. Uh, and, and I know for a fact, you're not alone in that. There's so many dudes, uh, in the military that, uh, end up in that same boat where that, 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 you know, whether it's, whatever branch it is that they're in, you know, they're, they're performing some job, some function that they are proud of, proud to be a part of whatever it is, a part of a team that camaraderie is there. And I'll, I know a little bit what that feels like, uh, from, you know, my time, uh, you know, being in a law enforcement agency and, and you develop that same kind of sense of camaraderie with your fellow, uh, uh LEOs. And, and so, you know, one day that comes to an end and then you're left wondering now what? Well, I think the key is we got to always, be, you know, we may have a particular goal and we, and we sometimes set goals and we don't even realize we set goals. Like we just get lost in the, in the idea of, of accomplishing what it is that we're, we're accomplishing, right? Like a lot of guys probably go into the military and not think, well, I'm going to be the biggest, most awesome, uh, you know, soldier on the ground or whatever. Like they just, I want to serve, right? And then you get there and, and you're accomplishing all these things. You're doing these 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 things with your team. And then also one day that's gone. Right? The thing that you live for, the thing that you'd be that you're willing to die for is just done and over with. Well, we have to constantly be looking over the horizon, right? The horizon's there. That's where I'm trying to get to. But then I gotta think, what do I do when I get to the horizon? What's next? And it's really important. It doesn't have to be figured out all right away, but as you recognize you're getting closer to that horizon, you got to start figuring out what's the next step. What's the next goal? Where do I go from here? Yeah, I think um, I think a big part of my success, especially in the military, was that I wanted to be the best. Um, and I wasn't even close, but I wanted to be. And so I would strive to become the best. And um, once I got out of the military and I had lost all of my identity and I was trying to find a new identity, trying to decide who I wanted to be, I realized that I can apply my whole concept of being the best corpsman to being the best at life. And I'm not even close, not even close, but every day I'm a little closer. 
And that's what keeps me pushing. My brain starts to eat itself when I'm not trying, I'm not giving everything I have. As soon as my life starts to get comfortable, I start to fall apart and my brain eats itself and I'm just a miserable mess. But as soon as I'm putting everything that I have into every goal that I have, every aspiration, every priority, that's when I start to make the most success in my own mental, my own mental issues. We all got our own mental issues, right? Yeah. And that's when I'm most at peace. When I was in Afghanistan, it was a very hard, very arduous, hectic environment. I loved it. Loved it. I'd never been better in my life. I was on top of the world and I was doing a job and I was happy. And then I got out of the military and my life was easy. I started sitting behind a desk, not doing anything. My life was easy and I was miserable. And it wasn't until I started putting myself into uncomfortable situations, getting myself out of my comfort zone and striving constantly. That's when I started to, uh, to make the most progress. And I know I'm not alone out there. I've, I've talked with a lot of vets uh, before I started working for concealed carry. I, um, I, I worked for the VA and I, I had a chance to swap war stories with a lot of veterans. And one of the hardest things that people you know, are always talking about it, they think that they're alone, you know, and no matter who you are, there's a lot of other people out there that have had the same, same things go on to them that, that are happening to you right now. And if you want to get past it, you definitely can. It just takes some effort. Yep. So let's uh, let's address this question. So kind of going back to where we sort of started the episode a little bit, Mark here asks, how do you calm your anxiety and heartbeat? How do you stay present and attentive? The adrenaline rushes, nerves flare. How do you calm it down in the moment? Now, my dad was a career firefighter. And um, when I joined the military and I told him I was going to uh, medical, he's big old grin on his face. And of course, he had all, all sorts of advice for me. And one of the things that he recommended that, that, that I do is lick your lips. And um, hmm. I was like, okay. <laughs> but uh, in the middle of it, um, what that does is it does some sort of like little reset for you. And, and I think before I would start working on a casualty, instead of jumping in and getting right into it, I would take a second, just a second or two, and think about what's going on. Now, your initial reaction is, got to go, got to go, got to go, got to go. There's, there's someone dying. I need to fix them. I got to do something right now or they are going to die. Eh, that's kind of true. But you're more likely to do more good if you take a couple of seconds, take a deep breath and think and come up with a plan. Okay, he's got an injury here. That looks like that's the worst one. I should probably fix that next. And then while you're working on that one, you're you're looking at the other thing and, and you're you're constantly making a, a decision in your mind. And it it's hard, but it's possible and you can do it. And it'll help a lot if you just take a couple of seconds before you act, come up with a little plan, and then work on that plan. And then again, talk to the person that you're working on. Hey, I'm I'm here. I'm I'm gonna help you, and this is gonna be fine. I got you. Dude, I could totally see your voice being a calming influence on uh, people. Oh, absolutely. I was good at my job. 
<laughs> I know you were good at your job. You said you weren't the best. Well, okay, you know, but who's to say who the best is, right? But what I know is I, I'm sure I have I have confidence you were good at your job. Uh, good answer too. And I was just thinking too, actually, to to part of the question that Mark asked about, he said, "How do you stay present and attentive?" And that kind of stuck with me because. Another book that I'm reading right now is uh, Practical Shooting by Brian Enos. And there's quite a bit of like mindset, mind, you know, mental prep type stuff in that book as well. And the big thing that Brian talks about a lot is, and of course, Brian Enos, for anyone that doesn't know or doesn't recognize the name, is he, he was a big shooter back in the day. And him and Rob Latham came up kind of together. Uh, they, you know, they, they trained together, they shot together, they, they, you know, they were both really, really, really good. Uh, Rob is stuck with it a little bit longer and continues to compete today. Whereas Brian retired from the shooting sports. So almost two decades, two decades ago, but he wrote a book in the nineties called practical shooting. And he's real big on just observing or being aware of, of like, okay, so you're, you're getting ready to shoot a, a stage, right? Let's say at the highest level in the world, let's say at the, you know, U- USPSA national championships. All right. Big stage, right? You're all excited. You're amped up. You want to do well, whatever it is. There's all, there's all this pressure, right? Uh, it, bec- and a lot of that's self-imposed because we, we pressure our own selves to try to do well. And the fact of the matter is y- you are either prepared or you're not right. Like you, you, well, you're prepared in some fashion, your, your level, your skill level, your performance level is is whatever level it is going to be. So you can't just magically on game day, you know, go from being a you know JV high school basketball player to being LeBron James. Like it doesn't happen that way. You don't you don't you don't make that jump. You don't go from zero to hero instantly like that. At the, on, on a world you know on, on the world stage at the you know big national championships or whatever. That just doesn't happen. Like you are who you are, what you are, what you've put into it, that is what it is, right? So there is no, it's kind of like the old Yoda phrase, right? Try, there is no try, you know, there's there's only do, right? Um, And so you you just have to show up and and be present in the moment. And and I think the way you do it is, I think you, you, you have a focus, you have a focus point, an objective and an objective that doesn't sabotage you, right? So when I'm going up to a stage, getting ready to shoot, the last thing is, goes through my mind right before the buzzer goes off, right? Right before I say, yep, I'm good to go. This is the last thing that goes through my mind. I see my sights on the target, on the center of the target. That's it. That's my focus, right? Before that, I've put in the time to visualize what I'm going to do. And I know I have the capability to do all those things. I know I have the capability to make all those shots. I may not move as fast and as aggressively as JJ Rakaza, but I know I can make all the shots. I just, you know, it is what it is. My speed, you know. So what it comes down to is I got to make my hits no matter what. Like that's the, and at the end of the day, I got to make my hits. At the end of the day, in, in a, you know, medical setting, you got to patch a dude up. Like you, you have to get the job done. You have to stay focused on it. And so my job shooting a course of fire is get my hits. Well, how do you get your hits? You guys see your sights on target. So you got to go back to what that kind of that base 
focus is, like what it has to be. It, it can't be, I want to get to the end of the stage as fast and as accurate as I can. That's not specific enough. And it's also uh, potentially sabotage, self-sabotaging. Because when you start thinking, I'm going to do something fast, <laughs> you, it screws you up every time. When you think you're going to go fast, that's when you trip and fall. And so you got to stay focused on, you know, I'm going to move as fast as I move, right? I'm going to move as fast as what I've trained to do in, in practice, but I'm going to step up on the stage and I'm going to think, okay, there's all my targets. I've memorized them. You know, I figured out where they are because USPSA stages can be rather tricky. Sometimes they like tied things behind, you know, walls and barriers and barrels and stuff. So, okay, I know where the target it, targets are. Now I just got to step up to the line, see my sight on every single one of those targets and press the trigger. And by just being focused on that one objective, that keeps me focused. And that keeps me aware in that moment of what's going on with my gun. And that's the important piece. So to wrap that up, and then you, you say your bit, you have to figure out what that focus uh, phrase or idea is for you yourself in whatever capacity you're trying to operate at your best in. You have to figure out what that is. All right. And then when that moment comes, you go, lick my lips <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> well, you're visualizing yourself succeeding. You know, I'm sure you're not visualizing yourself fumbling a reload. You're seeing yourself smooth and clean and efficient in every time you're, you're moving. And I think medical is that same way. You know, if you just think yourself, oh, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to flub this tourniquet application, then you're not going to, um, or you're less likely to, and you're going to be a lot calmer and smoother. Like you said, you know, are you going to handle it smoothly? Because you don't want to go fast. Fast is where you fumble. Um, and that's what I saw a lot of people make their most, most of their mistakes is when they're, uh, when they're trying to go fast because they're panicked. They know hey, I have to go fast and they wind up going slower because they're trying to go so fast. But if you take a moment and you move with purpose and smoothly, you're going to beat that person going fast every time. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there you go. So try, there is no try. There's only do you step up in the moment and you just do that's it. And it is what it is. I think that's uh, kind of where I'd leave it today. So Brian, man, we've covered a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff, brother. I think, uh, uh, including some things I didn't expect us to necessarily, you know, get into, go down that path, so to speak. Um, you know, so last words from from you, Brian. I mean, about anything we've talked about today, about uh, you know, plug plug your your stuff again, your YouTube channel, uh, Mountain Man Medical, all that stuff. Let, let us hear. It. Every day better than yesterday. I think if you go about life like that can't there's you can do a lot worse than that um yeah and then definitely go check out the youtube channel uh we're, we're cooking along we're we're having a good time over there if you have any uh, ideas for videos some things that you'd like to see feel free to mm -hmm. drop them down i'm always looking for good content ideas um got a video coming out uh, generally every friday we've got uh, the next one coming up tomorrow and uh, i'll let you guys know no one else knows this in the entire world maybe not even riley probably not even riley that uh Tomorrow, I'm, I'm going to be talking a little bit about uh, teaching my uh, my boys. I've got three young sons, and I'm teaching them how to apply a tourniquet. Um, nice. So that's 
that was a fun exercise. I had a good time with that. I think the video turned out pretty good. And uh, I think you'll probably enjoy it, especially if you got kids. I think uh, that this will be a good one for you. Awesome, man. That's great. I look forward to that. And uh, so guys, head on over to YouTube, uh, search Mountain Man Medical. You'll find the Mountain Man Medical YouTube channel. Subscribe there. Turn on the little you know, uh, alert notification thing, the bell thing to the side of the subscribe button and, and make sure you, so you can see uh, all the new content that Brian is putting together and putting out on the channel. Uh, head on over to mountmanmedical.com for your trauma kit and medical needs. Uh, check out the full lineup of products and gear there. Uh, new stuff being added dang near every week. And uh, then of course, uh, you know, we got a lot of the same stuff also on the concealedcarry.com store. Uh, but you know, all, all the concealed carry stuff, uh, is always, always available on, on concealedcarry.com. We do appreciate you guys' support of concealedcarry.com, mountainmanmedical.com and everything we do here, because without you, it wouldn't be possible. All right. Uh, you know, your purchases of these needed things. I mean, trauma kits, I think everyone should have one, right? Uh, your purchase of one of those, supports i mean that pays brian's wages it pays mine too uh as well so uh we we do appreciate your business and for listening and trusting us so it is time to bid you all adieu and with that we remind you to train right train often and train safe so you can fight hard fight fast and fight true take care Reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws. But things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.